Mansai Jaki, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That is Gulf Arabic for Ooh. Are You Serious? <laughs> Something I think practically everyone watching this weekend's race said to themselves or out loud. I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining me is Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm good. The F1 discourse is nothing if not serious these past few days, so I, for one, am delighted to dip my toes into this particular lava pit. Also joining us, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Uh, shocked. Stunned. Beyond words. That's not true. I have tons of words. Uh, shaken. <laughs> fascinated. Stirred. Ooh, ooh, I like Seduced. the positive spin. Ooh, keep going, keep going. Intrigued. <laughs> if you are new to this podcast, a very warm welcome to you. And if you are new to Formula One, wow. Uh, if you want to go back and understand what it was that you just watched. I don't think we can um, help you. <laughs> well, we're going we're gonna to try. But we've also got a preseason primer episode that assumes no prior F1 knowledge from you uh, that explains how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you want to go back and listen to that, you can do so. It's episode uh, 137. Uh, also, the show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift F1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons covering racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things so if you would like to support the show and get access to all of that fun stuff head over to patreon.com slash shift f1 or click the link in the show notes what's going on this month danny yeah this is our final public podcast of the year we do have one more patron exclusive podcast which will be recorded next week we are continuing our journey with michael fassbender uh, towards le mans we will be doing episodes or sorry seasons two and three of his series um which will be up for patreon patrons uh next week and then we also are recording a special video with some special wine that was sent to us by a special patron Uh, so keep your eyes peeled uh, for that one as well and of course massive thanks to all of our title sponsors Jason Kelly, Will Romp, Umberto Roca, Troy Stammer, Circuit Demon, Max Voltar, Reagan, Sniggs, Connor McManners, Joel Roberts, Abraham Getchell, Jason Chadwick, Abdullah Althani, Bailey Foot, BPM, Big Promble Motorsports. We're going back to the start. It's like it's like the last mm-hmm. day of school. I love it. <clears throat> Drew Stewart, Simon Villeneuve, David Mule, Tractor Share, Gnarly Goat, Iron Station Studios, Erica Siegel, Pyrites Card Castle, E-Dog, I-Dog, J-Dog, and a new entry for the final one of the season, Team Blackjack, at Team Blackjack, in fact. Uh, so thank you to all of you fantastic people. Shout out to Jason Chadwick. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, um, we have so much to talk about. Yeah. Let's just get right into the grid for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Lining up in pole position, Max Verstappen. He locked up on his second run in Q2, flat spotted his medium tires, and had to go again on softs, which has huge implications for the race. If you ask Hamilton... It was intentional. Oh, really? Yeah, he's like, no one flat spots on turn one. What was he doing? Like, they just wanted <laughs> to go on softs. That's what he reckoned. So Interesting. Uh, um. But that was bad. <laughs> like, that's not good yeah. strategy. Okay. I, I, hey, look, if there's anything I've learned about the past couple of days is that there's no reality that can't be bent to facilitate a conspiracy theory, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> be, be you a fan or a driver. 
Um, but yes, Master Sabin is on poll thanks to a humongous toe from Sergio Perez in Q3 in uh, an orchestrated maneuver that I thought was very fun to watch. Sort of like flying in formation. Yeah, did a, did a great job. Checo Perez trying to get the best number two driver of the year. Uh, grab it from Vatas. Um, it's going to be tricky considering they need a minor miracle going into this race to get the constructors uh, to pe- peel the constructors championship away from Mercedes. Well, Hamilton said Vatas was the greatest of all time. So um, greatest number two driver of all time. Yeah, <laughs> go yeah. recognize <laughs> goat. We'd love to see it. Stick it up. Fist bumping emoji. <laughs> no, you are you are the best number two. Uh, lining up number two, Lewis Hamilton will start on his own medium tires. Behind him, Lando Norris starting third, then Sergio Perez in fourth, Carlos Sainz in fifth, Valtteri Bottas way down there in sixth place, uh, then Charles Leclerc in seventh, running with the helmet cam during all sessions this weekend. Yeah, which and the I race was awesome. Of. Yeah. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda in eighth, Esteban Ocon in ninth, and Daniel Ricciardo starting tenth. Behind him, uh, Fernando Alonso, Pierre Gasly, who uh, David Croft pointed out, fails to reach Q3 for only the fourth time in the last 25 Grand Prix. Mm. Uh, Lance Stroll in 13th, Antonio Giovinazzi in 14th, and Sebastian Vettel, Nicholas Latifi, George Russell, Kimi Raikkonen, who had a hard hit in uh, Q2. Yeah. Uh, but they uh, got FP, the car F- back FP2. out. FP2. Oh. I'm sorry. Yes, FP2. Yeah. Um, and uh, Mick Schumacher in 19th because uh, N- uh, Nikita Mazepin withdrew from the race on the grounds of force majeure following a positive COVID-19 test. Yeah. Obligatory LOL. First one in a while. Uh, NFL's having a real time with it, so I don't know NBA what's too. going on at the like moment. Balls oh, really? couldn't feel the team last night. Wow. Yeah, the, the game last night, uh, I think it was the Vikes had... No. Well, and, I, and I, I think this was. is yeah. like... These are sports now. They're taking this stuff seriously. Like there are not yeah. that many like people are holding out against vaccines. So probably just a sign of where things are with the new variant and uh, people's immunity rolling off from their previous shots. Decent amount of uh, socializing going on in the week prior to because they were kind of in Dubai. A lot of them were uh, for the for the desert the, trilogy. The pre- proceeding exactly yeah yeah just in between because like abu dhabi is kind of, dubai is like it's not that far to drive from dubai up to yas marina uh, it's on the south side of abu dhabi so um and dubai you can you know hang out and drink a little bit more than you can in uh abu dhabi so um that's where a lot of them tended to be uh, max had a had some nice dinners he said uh, lewis was saying that he barely left a hotel room and, and worked out and, and recovered and stuff um which again this whole season He's looked that bit tired. Like it's it's always been a cloud over the whole thing is whether or not his, you know, does he have that sort of long COVID uh, element adding to his uh, to his the physical physical effort that he has to put in every race. Um, I guess we will we will know more next year maybe when he if he's talking about how he's feeling then. Well, the clouds part and all nineteen cars line up on the grid. <laughs> Danny, do you want to take us through the start? Sure. Uh, F two races were interesting this weekend. We also crowned a champion. I won't spoil anything. Go check out F two. Um, but it was interesting to watch because the new configuration, of course, does sort of open up strategy a little bit more on this one. Um, one of the things being that that sort of turn at the first uh, at the end of the first straight has even more um uh there's even more of an opportunity to close the gap because of the speed you're taking around this new um section at the start of the the race um 
so as expected, there's no overtaking zones really at the start of this uh, at all, unless somebody locks up and does something silly on the first uh, first turn, which uh, Lando Norris kind of does. He, got, he gets uh, around the outside, uh, Perez sneaks up the inside, he basically just misjudges the um, getting back on the gas and has to uh, get out into the runoff there, but he rejoins fairly safely. Uh, but we basically have a uh, Hamilton, Verstappen, and Perez situation as they cut down towards that uh, first turn and, or sorry, the turn, what do we call this? Is this turn? This is six, I think, now, right? Um, the the hairpin at the end of the straight. And I, this is kind of getting a little bit outside of my first lap <laughs> uh, explanation uh, window. And I'm sure we'll talk a lot about it. But in general, Verstappen throws it up the inside, as we've seen him do many times before, late breaking trying to get in front of Hamilton as early as he can. He does it, but most importantly, he stays on the track and he makes the next corner. It's a good overtake. Hamilton feels like he's squeezed a little bit, can't rejoin the track, maybe doesn't rejoin the track. I don't know how you call it, but he cuts the next corner to avoid the collision or, you know, whatever. Keeps the position. He's told by race control to basically drop back slightly so any advantage that he got in that move should be negated somewhat except the position i guess uh but what what are what is our feeling on this first lap uh, incident i like for me it's one of those things where i can't believe the stewards didn't at least review it it's up there it's like it's the brazil situation where it's like maybe i can understand how you get to all good will allow it i don't know how you don't take a closer look at it uh now massey got on the radio later to explain a bit like why they decided not to take a look at it like why they thought it was a good move the argument basically is that verstappen is coming in late uh to put it up the inside and because he has come in so late he is now taking the entire corner and when hamilton goes in to make the corner there's now no longer space for him I can see how, with that in mind, you end up, like, letting it ride. Um, But I don't know how you don't take a closer look. Especially because it's so similar to what we were seeing in Jeddah a week ago. That, like, seems like it is probably worth at least discussing. Now, it's very hair-splitting, I think, in terms of how you're going to decide whether or not Hamilton was uh, like late making his turn and like Verstappen had the corner. I think like if you're going to be judging these things, you're going to be splitting hairs, but these types of corners generate these issues. And once again, we're seeing like really stark inconsistencies in how uh, the stewards are evaluating these things. Yeah, I mean, honestly, these incidents all run together at this point for me. <laughs> I, I can't keep them straight anymore, um, and it's 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 frustrating to not really know uh, where the lines are. I mean, there are lines on the track. Maybe we should stick to those. Um, but <laughs> it'd be good if the stewards did and not yeah, change change I, change them over the course of the week. Even the thing is, both drivers are playing. <laughs> the game yeah. here and they have been all season they're they're pushing you know the boundaries and for better or worse this is the sport that f1 has created with its 
rules and officiating. Then the drivers are taking every opportunity they can to exploit those vagaries. And it's frustrating for me as a viewer to, to see this stuff and go like, I, I don't, I don't know, I guess, I don't know. Um, but that's, that's just where we are. Yeah. This, this, of all of the, you know, I, and this, I think this counts for what we'll ultimately talk about in this race, but we have spent a large amount of this podcast this season talking about specific turns and intent and who was at fault major- in the majority and who was taking advantage of someone else's move and who was over, you know, on the radio, oversimplifying it, all that sort of stuff. This turn is the boss fight of all of them because it is the hardest one to figure out. And the reason is because we're coming into this having experienced the previous 21 races and having to read the tea leaves when it comes to the stewards. Whereas, like, I'm watching this, I'm watching this, and if I'm not thinking who's in the car, I'm like, that's a really good overtake. He threw it up the inside. It was late, but the gap was there. The gap was there. The car in front never blocked it. And then and then the driver, crucially, who got the overtake stayed on the track however i will say like i i I get that but i was struck how often later in the in the race we saw between like midfield cars they were able to race side by side through that chicane like there is space to do it and you could argue okay hamilton is like doing his job which is he is leaving room up the inside like it's not that the door is open it is that one of the lines through the corner is open and the sort of like like close racing and when he's going to make his corner Verstappen is taking the entire thing. That seems, again, to be something they've sort of inched towards, at very, like, fitfully throughout the season, which is, like, where there's space for two cars to go, leave space for two cars. But it's really inconsistent in how they're judging it. And, yeah, like, I don't know that it... I think if he'd gotten ahead, I think I'm with you, that's a good overtake. Hamilton has to back out and like play catch up instead Hamilton takes that off the table by just cutting the corner and then it's yeah. like you know I was forced out there but what the, don't worry it, it, I'm going to give back the like second that I gained by cutting the corner exactly, and then yeah. we're all good and I'm like I think one I'm not even sure he gave that time back I was they're like oh don't worry we gave the <laughs> but, time back and I was like I don't know how you evaluate that either <laughs> yeah and I so- I, I I think it's a smart uh, Hamilton's move. I think is a smart one because as we've seen this season, the stewards have been unpredictable. So why not take your chances? Or like, I think, I think the stewards have been somewhat predictable when it comes to this move. And I have probably been harder on Verstappen with these moves than a lot of people throughout the season because like I didn't like the move last race because he didn't make the next turn and Hamilton did and this is almost like it's sort of it's not a carbon copy but this is one this is one of the tightest turns this is the tightest turn in this circuit I think and it's one of the tightest turns after an overtaking spot uh, in, in any of the seasons and Max made it and as you said, and I think if we can remember the Jacques Villeneuve uh, quote that you brought up last week, Rob, Hamilton's not dumb. Like he 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 turns in it like if I was thinking of his racing acumen, Hamilton knows what he's doing here. He's turned in so that he can take it wide. Because where he is, if he sees Verstappen coming up the inside, he knows where he is. He's watching him. It's for the championship. Verstappen's going to send it up the inside. I hear what you're saying about midfield teams, but obviously this is for the championship, so the mentality is a little bit different. Hamilton has to defend it maybe more aggressively. But like, yeah, if I think about what Villeneuve said last week, sure, like, yeah, Hamilton turned in and then... You know, skips the corner. And to Drew's point, he did it because 
he probably knows that given the past couple of races maybe i'm sure the stewards have watched the races i know they're different stewards and michael massey's obviously there every time that like it's impossible to divorce uh all that stuff from the decision making on track and in a way i'm like is it worse for us as fans because we're hearing all this stuff now because we're hearing all these all the race director stuff and now from the teams and all this i don't know i think it's so the case but i think it's i like that we hear the stuff like overall i'm not sure i like what i'm hearing but i'm glad i'm hearing it but i think this was one of those cases where whether i hear it or not the incident kind of speaks for itself like i wasn't actually the messages were pretty even tempered at that stage of the race like red bull were confused but they were not yet like furious yeah uh they were like we just don't know how you get there man and massey was like okay cool noted thank you bye and then we hear to you know lewis it's like hey just give give that advantage you gained back and he's like i'm on it i'm like (laughs) i don't know what he gave back uh but you you have to suspect they had like conversations before this race everyone involved being like well we know that they said that they didn't want to finish the the race under uh they wanted to finish under green flag conditions if they could but i'm sure they also had a lot of conversations about like everyone just calm down we don't want to you know, you don't want to cause drama right at the start. I wonder as well, you were talking a lot, Rob, about the stewards and Massey in particular as race director not wanting to influence the race. Is this an example of them not, not wanting to get involved, maybe? So I think they are very gun... Like, this is my first inkling that they might be real gun-shy. Because uh, I think what they're... I saw something pointing out, they are influencing the race by by the decisions they're not taking as well that is also influencing the race if you're being inconsistent choosing not to do something is also a choice but i think what they're scared of doing is taking a proactive step to like have the race altered by something that they do now this is very funny how it all plays out because i can see (laughs) i can draw the line from how they end up getting from this moment to what happens at the end of the race, where they're like, yeah. we just want it to be settled on the track under like green flag racing, driver to driver. And so they think as long as they do that, they're not changing the championship. That that is them like taking hands off. But this is the first, like one of the clear indications that like, well, no, but you are changing, you are changing the race because like now you are letting some stuff ride that you haven't in the past i think what fia is really lacking is nhl used to do this i don't know if they do it as much anymore uh their head of officiating would do routine like explainers for some of their biggest or most controversial rulings and he would break down like what the rule books say the context of the moment in question uh during the game and then he would bring in like broader context if it was for instance like um why is this player getting suspended for what is routine hit? And they'd be very clear. It's like, well, there've been a lot of routine hits that have led to like injury from this player. Like he's on the border consistently at this point, Mm. he no longer gets the benefit of the doubt. That's why I made this ruling. FIA doesn't explain itself very well. And I think this is why like drive, like if, if it's happening in driver's meetings, great, but everyone seems like they're in the dark because ultimately what is happening is, None of the stewards, either the stewards don't understand the rules they're meant to enforce, which I don't think is true, or they just don't give a shit, and they will define good racing by their druthers week to week, like depending on who it is. I, I think one thing that, it's a phrase that we don't say a lot on this podcast, but I think it's one that that 
is sort of emblematic of a lot of the attitudes in Formula One, and I'm sure is felt by Massey and the stewards, is let them race, right? And I think... I hate that phrase. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, You know, okay, but like, are we... Is this a sport? Are there rules? <laughs> like, we all know pretty well uh, how games work, and it's not fun if you can break all of the rules. So, uh, I don't... I, I don't know, yeah, man. Let's keep let's keep moving because there's a lot of yeah. race to cover here. All right, so Hamilton's ahead. Verstappen now has very few options because he's on those soft tires, and they're going to run out run out before Hamilton's. So he pits first uh, on lap 14 and goes under hard tires. Uh, Hamilton covers this and does the same thing a lap later. Also goes under hards, so he comes out still ahead of Verstappen, but behind Perez, who hasn't yet pitted. Um, Paris's job is to stay out there and wait for Hamilton to reach him and then slow him down as much as he can so that Verstappen can catch Hamilton. Defend like a lion. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Hamilton reaches Perez on lap 20 and so begins perhaps the greatest defense I have ever seen. Hey, Rob, did you see how he uh, defended him into the turn that he defended (laughs) against Verstappen? He went wide so he could take him on the next one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. Mm. Who knew that was a strategy there you could do? You didn't have to just pretend to cut the cord. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I sorry, have everyone. to say, like, it is just. Checo is pro- maybe the best I see at this on the regular at F1. Because, like, he. In terms of like where they're at on tires and everything, this does not seem like it should be the fight that it is. Plus, there's a lot of like straight line parts of this track where that Merc should. Now, we they did explain Red Bull are running a ridiculously low amount of wing for their car for this track, trying to like eat into that advantage that the uh, that the Merc enjoyed. But like, still, it felt like with the you know better grip that the Mercedes had, and uh, you know. It, the the Red Bull just being slower, it felt like this should be a done deal, and Hamilton could just not just could not put this guy away because like Checo was always like positioning himself even when he's getting passed for like okay, but in three corners here's the positioning going to be. He got the most out of every DRS zone. He got the most out of every corner complex. It was like and you just saw Max pulling up behind them. Uh, throughout all that it was incredible stuff um yeah and it was wild totally clean like that yeah. like my heart was in my mouth because i was like lewis from red bull standpoint it's okay if you crash out and if you crash out with perez like perez has very little incentive to take care of your race for you like there were so many points where i was like i don't know why you're still racing this guy this hard like this is so the, the like this is so loaded for you and not as much for Perez. Um, but Checo kept it very, very clean and Lewis battled back. It was it was great stuff. Probably the, the best pure racing we see the entire weekend. Yeah, and then he... So it's a five-second gap, I think, he ends up closing ever, stopping six seconds behind Hamilton by the time Checo basically lets him pass then once he's kind of done the job. Um, oh, the shake and bake. Yeah, basically, yeah, he's like only one point two behind him. What I thought was really interesting, I was watch. I did a lot of um, watching the onboards of everyone after the race, just going on F one TV and sort of watching onboards of people. Um, and uh, one of the things that's really cool about Perez is that you're right; he does set up for um, you know getting the overtake in a couple of corners. But the other thing he does is he really he messes with other people's natural lines through the corners, so he doesn't race when he's in front the same way. 
as when he has somebody directly behind him. He breaks in different spots. He takes awkward lines and he keeps forcing Hamilton to let go just make a slight correction as they enter a turn so he he can't necessarily take the line he would have liked out of the corner like he he gets in the way without like you know brake checking somebody or something it's so cool like to watch him like sort of like change change where he is on the corner or like break slightly earlier than he would and power out and, and he kind of seems to do it differently each turn like he's just really good at like you know yeah getting in the way and staying in the way it was um, yeah, and, and doing were- it cleanly yeah, they were. They were. I think they were saying on the on the broadcast that he was he was Perez was breaking in the apex, which is a safe way to do it because you're already slowing down. But uh, even if you go very very slowly, the car behind to overtake you has to go around you, and it's way too long to do. And so you <laughs> right. can just do that and keep the car behind. And uh, it was just it was incredible. But you got such a feel for where your grip levels are at to break in the apex because he also can't like. Mm-hmm. He can't take those corners slow or Hamilton will just pass him regardless. So he's got to be like right on that edge where like he can apply a little bit of brake input through like the hardest parts of the turn. Um, The other thing is patience of a saint because having done this, I understand that like people are tense at Red Bull, but them getting on on the horn to be like, don't hold up Max, don't hold up Max, get out of Max's way, fall back, fall back. I would have been like, yeah, guys, I know. Like, <laughs> fucking obviously, don't hold up Max. I see him. I know what today is about. Like, you do, like, calm yourselves. Like, that That was the one part where I was like, after after Checo single-handedly, like, brings you back into this race, you're going to be, like, yelling at him to sc- scuttle aside. Like, again, it was just, like, people being a little antsy over the radio and, like, being a yeah. little hot on the mic. But just the way it came across was, like, okay. I'm pretty sure Perez knows what the score is. In in the post-race interviews, he was very, like, um, kind about the whole thing. He was like, I'm sure Lewis will understand. Like, it's my team. You know, I tried to race fairly. I wasn't interested in, like, hitting him. I really just wanted to, like, help out the team. And I knew what the race was about, is what he said. Oh, so, we yeah, do need like to he, address. Like, yeah. The Lewis being, like, dangerous driving. And I'm like, Lewis. Nonsense. Nonsense. Lewis. Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, let's, come on, man. Yeah, that's that's why it's so hard. Like at every, you know, there are some weeks where it sounds like I'm defending Hamilton too much. It sounds, you know, or it hits the ear for certain people where it's for Stappen or whatever. It's like every race has been different, but they've both. It's part of the game. It seems like now it's just like everyone overreacting to everything. Um, and well, like that, it's, it's just annoying. What say? Working the refs works like across yeah, sports yeah. in general. Like it does, but this was a case where there's no Except rugby. Case. People, rugby needs to be, rugby referees who do not fucking listen to anyone needs to like, (laughs) if you watch enough rugby, others, like soccer is like infuriating. And like NFL is good too. Like they they have a good job of officiating that stuff. I wish we could like, you know, it's harder for F1 because these people are like driving around in tin cans at, you know, a couple of hundred miles an hour. So I get that they're more emotional, but like, yeah, like dangerous driving was just like, I forget, did Mercedes, Mercedes said they'd raise it with, uh, race control? Did they? Well, I, feel- I guess in the context of the, what happened next, yeah. the <laughs> small potatoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Either way, not worth raising. Uh, it was it was clearly Hamilton, like kind kind of lamely trying to make some sort of case for against Checo, and it's like, no man, like you're mm. gonna have to do this the hard way. Yeah. So Perez slingshots for Sta- for Stappen, so he can take on Hamilton. But unfortunately for Red Bull, it's not enough for Verstappen to pass him. So 
kind of Red Bull's only strategy here is to is to hope for some stuff and do what Hamilton doesn't. Lap 36, Giovinazzi loses drive, has to pull over, bringing out the virtual safety car, and Mercedes opts not to pit Hamilton. So Red Bull does pit, uh, putting Verstappen on fresh, hard tires. So when he comes out, Verstappen, uh, he has 20 laps to make up a 17-second gap. And while the tire difference uh, in age does give him some advantage, as the race goes on, it doesn't seem like it's going to be enough. Enter Nicholas Latifi. Well, just one thing to say, first of all, about that is it was whisper thin whether or not Mercedes could have pitted him there. And this obviously comes up later again. But it, it's worth mentioning that both times, in hindsight, you could perhaps say, oh, if Mercedes were a little bit less conservative about tyre strategy, they put a, could have also tried it. But race position, track position is so important here. And and the margins were. I did a cl- I did a stopwatch of the next one, and it was like w- like within one point five seconds. You could not tell whether or not. But, but I was talking to a listener, uh, like in the wake of all this, just chatting a bit, and I keep coming back to like Mercedes tends to make really conservative like track track positioning favoring decisions. Yeah. And I think they have a bias that we've talked about this. And, like, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But the thing I can't get out of my mind is, like, this is a team that started Hamilton alone on the grid on inters uh, while everyone else was in the pits changing tires. (laughs) Right, Um, yeah, yeah. And it was, like, a patently wrong decision. But even in the face of that, they couldn't bring themselves to give up a lead, even though, like, the decision, like, was a massive, like, shot in the foot. Um, and so, like, I, I do think this is one of these things where, like, guys, track position is king, but you know, it's also king is tire wear. And even Hamilton, like, right after that cycle, he was like, it's a long way to go to the end of this race on these tires. Now, if everything stays normal, probably, like, good decision. But yes, if he stops, very good chance he can battle, battle past Max if it comes to it. Um, it is it like it is whisper thin. I I don't think it's an obviously bad decision, but like just their hesitance to react to stuff like this and like get, yeah. give him the best setup for like there was a lot of race left, and they just don't like pulling that trigger. Yeah, I that's the, the my my main takeaway at the end of the race when all you know just my my hot take at the time I tried to keep them as tepid as possible was that in many ways. <laughs> the the conservative nature of mercedes this year and the sort of you know throw caution to the wind what do we have to lose nature of red bull often was kind of a big factor like we talk a lot about the loud moments that happen in races and often it's the quiet moments you don't think about that have massive effects too and again i'm 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 agreeing with you i don't necessarily think that like they're to blame for not bringing him in but I do think there's something to be said for a pattern of a team that has been in dominance for like half a decade. They have always been conservative because they've had that gap. And this year they didn't have the gap. Yep. They didn't have a car that was always going to win. Uh, you know, if 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 everything is equal or close to it, they're going to do it. It wasn't there anymore. And Red Bull have been the team in years past, even in number two battles, number three battles, who have been, had to have like, 
been a little bit more risky with their decision making and I think when you look back at the season like you said that's a really good example right is, is him starting the race on his own but we've seen it a lot and and it's just the difference in mentality and it might have you know had a factor this week you know even if it was just a you know sort of a quiet element of a, of a race that obviously had much louder uh, moments well, we get another decision here because Nicholas Latifi, who is in a battle with Mick Schumacher on lap 53, goes onto the dirty part of the track and when he then rides a curb, loses the car with that low grip and tags the wall, bringing out the safety car. Yeah. Hamilton. He, he, he was all about Schumacher was racing him. Schumacher and him had a race, were racing like three corners earlier. I, I watched the onboard. He just bins it. Poor guy. Uh, Hamilton stays out. Uh, since even with that safety car, he would uh, lose first place by pitting. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe I did. The, I did some stop. Like I okay. think he might. He might have come out. Of, he should have come out ahead, but it would have been close, and he would have had to have had a clean pit. And Ham, and Verstappen would have had to have been not driving a little bit faster. Where was he, knew he relative was to pit entrance when this all happened? Because this is the other thing is when like when they replayed it, it looked like he was already maybe past the line. He would have been cutting into the pit. No, no, there was a couple of cars ahead of him. Sonoda, okay. somebody, somebody was first. Then Sonoda was next, and both of them like got pretty close to his two because he crashed and kind of sat out a bit. Like it was an absolute yeah. like guilt edge safety car, um, and not a red flag. Let's get that out of the way. Um, so, but no, he 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 could have done it, but they they didn't have a lot of time. But yeah. like they had maybe I feel like maybe a third of quarter of a lap. Well, there's also a reason they may have wanted to keep him out. And we will see that in a second. Right. So, but anyway, Verstappen does pit. Nothing to lose. On a, yeah. Yeah, nothing to lose. He puts on a virtually new set of soft tires. I think they have one lap on them. Um, and he's so count, it's a tire. Count, yeah, he's counter-strategizing Hamilton. If Hamilton had come in, they would have stayed there for track position because yeah. he had decent As tires. As he has been doing the whole race. Exactly. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a tire advantage, which would be great for Verstappen if he got to restart the race directly behind Hamilton. And though Verstappen is indeed in second place, there are two things preventing him from doing that. Number one, there is lapped traffic between him and Hamilton while they're behind the safety car. Five back markers. Uh, And number two, we don't even know if we'll have enough laps left to go racing again because uh, there were only five laps left when Latifi crashed. And they have to, A, clear Latifi's car, and B, there's that issue of the back markers. So um, you got to imagine Mercedes is thinking, well all right, we've got to let all those lapped cars go and then come back around. And the rule says once they let them go, the safety car does another lap. We're not going to have enough time so uh, to, to finish the race. So we're going to finish under safety car. May as well leave Hamilton out there because if we pit, Red Bull's not going to and Verstappen's going to win. Especially as they had race control had said. And it's worth looking at this crash. And I think I, there was a lot of like sort of people who maybe don't watch Formula One every week sort of wondering a lot of questions about this. And maybe some of them are listening uh, today as well. That Latifi crash was like, you look at that and you're like, oh, it's going to be like five laps behind a safety car yep. at least. Because like yep. it was a bad crash. There was debris everywhere. It wasn't like he just went off into the gravel. Um, the other element with this is that they threw up a, 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 a message saying that the other unlapped car or sorry the back the cars that yeah, were sort so let of me get to that sorry at the yeah go ahead all right here's here's what did happen so three laps from the finish while we're behind the safety car we are told the laps lapped cars will not be allowed to pass the safety car which is great for hamilton because even if they go racing again that should provide enough of a buffer to verstappen 
that even given Verstappen's tire advantage, it would make it difficult to reach Hamilton and pass him. So that's fi- right? I, I, 56, right? That message goes out. Right, so we have 56, 57, 57 58. 58. Right, and, and worth mentioning why that's the case. That's the case because this is the the stewards are cleaning the car and the debris. This marshals. is not a very... The marshals, no, sorry. The stewards should pick up a mop and fucking you're, bucket you're after right, season. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. They should have to clean up like uh, Vettel did in, uh, at Silverstone. Um, yeah, so, th- so they they tend to not allow them to do that because the, when I think maybe people don't know when you release the people who are in the field they drive almost at racing speed to catch up yeah. so they're not going at safety car speed it's not like a VSC situation when they get overtaken so the problem is is they don't want those cars out unlapping themselves while there could possibly be stewards on the track especially Marcus. where that is I mean it's a blind double left-hander so it's very normal for that to be the case the only issue is that generally that is always you know once that call is made maybe after a while they'll do it but uh you know i guess yeah well let's keep going then a lap later four minutes later uh the five lapped cars between verstappen and hamilton and only those cars are told that they can indeed pass the safety car and then and then Immediately after that, we are told that the safety car is coming in this lap. Again, breaking with how things have normally gone, which gives those back markers a lap to catch up. So they're, well, they've yeah. taken off down the road, and then immediately the safety car is going to pull in, and we are going to resume racing with Verstappen right behind Hamilton. So we're going to do a lot of like analyzing this from a technical perspective. I want a gut check from the two of you. What did you think when you saw them overtaking and then it's saying safety car in this lap what was your like initial reaction i was like they just gave verstappen the championship like Messi just handed them the race like that was that was uh, my I- reaction um i like it was uh, my, my stomach dropped because it was there was zero doubt in my mind that this was the championship it was being handed um by race control to red bull in, the, in, in kind of the same way it would be uh, if the race finished under safety car. It sounds like you, you would have a, a similar... Uh, I would have a similar sort of feeling because it would it seems the same sort of artificial. The weird... So, no. But one of them is one in of them compliance is with normal, normal, normal racing, yeah. Like, this is... Like, that, that for me is, is the thing where... We all know how restarts work in F1. I have never seen this. I've never yeah. seen it. I've yeah. been watching like 25 some years. Haven't seen this before. And also we've watched enough F1 that we know that like hards at the very end of their lifespan versus fresh softs with no distance between them. That is not a race. That's not a contest like that is done uh, because the hard on its best moment doesn't have the performance of the soft. This is night and day. And like everything stems from the grip level you can get in a car. So like in a one lap sprint in this context, there is zero chance for Stappen's not getting this done. It's like, so that was, and let's, let's tag in here. We'd also heard at least one radio message, a defensive Michael Massey 
once again sounding kind of overwhelmed as Christian was like, you got to get these cars out of the way, man. And Massey says, I am just trying to get this incident cleaned up. Uh, Give me a moment. Yeah. Yeah, safety is my primary concern, which is, I think, him saying, I don't want them unlapping while we have marshals out on the track. But... When I hear that compared to like how he ends up addressing Wolf after making this decision, I'm also like, there is a like a hostility being directed at Wolf and Mercedes at this moment that like is not being, and I don't think that's necessarily like the fix was in, but like what it indicated to me is Massey was also like neither in control of the race nor his emotions at the mm. end like we're is, getting a little bit of fart right yeah. we haven't because i don't want to uh, litigate for that maybe right now i hear what you're saying though and i, I think in the moment i was feeling th- i think what a lot of people felt and i think why there's a lot of like unease and anger within like the general sort of f1 watching community is that like you said rob i've been watching f1 a long time and you sort of there are things that happen that you're kind of like, oh, I'm not sure where the rules apply here that are in this sort of like washy gray zone. And that's kind of where we make our trade here on this podcast is like, you know, as lay people, as fans analyzing that and trying to like make sense of it. But I am struggling for a moment where I was, I felt so disconnected from the rules. I felt like I didn't understand what was going on because it felt it, like you said, Rob, I had never seen this before. I was shocked that it happened. When I saw the back markers go around, I was like, oh, they have to do another lap. The li- a safety car always lasts one lap longer than you think it's going to. Right. And in this situation, this. yes, because of this. And and in this situation, it was the opposite. And I've, yeah, it was the same. It was what it felt for a whole season where Rob has been like really eloquently explaining that like, like race control have seemingly been trying not to get involved and <laughs> trying not to make decisions that will lead to the outcome as races, even when sometimes that meant, as you said earlier, not making decisions, which ultimately led to races. This was them making a decision, which was like, this was the Kingmaker moment. And, you know, I've seen laps finish under safety car or races i th- in my head I'm, i think i've i think i've seen a final race end under safety car i think it's happened here before i'm tr- i was trying to remember exactly maybe you know we saw verstappen win spa under safety car after <laughs> four laps of non-racing so like uh that that to me wasn't wild i was like sure okay it, it ends under safety car no big deal but this was Let's like, revisit that when we get into the protests, because some of the reasoning is behind this. But I guess we might yeah. as well dispatch the end of this race. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just for my part, I, I was surprised and bewildered, I think. Um, I was I think I was making a lot of weird noises. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I was just like my eyes were saucers and I just took in the final lap of this race um, it doesn't take long before we see a move from Verstappen. He dives down the inside of turn five, executes a clean pass. Great, great um, pass. Hamilton doesn't get DRS since that only get turns on after two laps after the safety car. Or I, as I, usual, who, who knows? <laughs> I forgot about point. that. And I was like, oh no, it's a safety car. He can't use it. I forgot. Yeah. His tires he, were he, shot. Yeah. He tries to fight back at turn six, but can't make it happen. So he tries at the end of the final straight, getting the slipstream and edging up on the outside. Two cars getting very close. Yeah. Uh, and tries it on the outside of turn nine, but he just he just does not have the grip. And uh, no. uh, the, we go to his onboard, and it's sinking because you just see 
from Hamilton's view, Verstappen just taken off down the yeah. road. He's miles ahead by the time they exit that that left hander, that wise, the new little section. Toto's on the radio. No, Michael. What, that was what is this? So not right. That was so not right. Yeah, I was like, and I was like, fucking, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. This is insane. I can't believe this is happening. And then Massey uh, being like, it's called a motor race, Toto. We went motor think, racing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's get to obviously Mercedes. Ha- or let let me run down before we get to all this. The result. Okay. Just to cap off the race here, because Max you Verstappen. There was a really good fights in the mid pack. It's a shame we hardly saw any. Of it. it was only at the end. Uh, anyway, go on. Yeah. So Max Verstappen <laughs> wins this race. He wins the championship. Lewis Hamilton second place. Third place. Carlos Sainz. Hey. What do you know? Operator. <laughs> and number four, Yuki Tsunoda. Dude, the two of them, great weekend. Carlos, we'll get to the driver standings later. Dude, what a season for Carlos Sainz. First of Ferrari. Man. Yeah, Pierre Gasly in fifth, having started 12th. Um, right. Valtteri Bottas in sixth, his final race with Mercedes. Was he racing? Was he racing? <laughs> he was. Wow, I didn't yeah. even notice. Landon Norris in seventh, Fernando Alonso in eighth, Esteban Ocon in ninth, and Charles Leclerc, the final points paying position, 10th place behind him. Sebastian Fennel, Sebastian Fettel, Daniel Ricciardo, um, who it must be said, also thinking that things would be as usual, pitted under that safety car and lost a whole bunch of positions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there's more implications here than just the, the, the top few runners. Hard and did not get to pass... You know, he did not get to pass the safety car. Um, Lance Stroll in 13th, Mick Schumacher in 14th, Sergio Perez DNF right at the end. Uh, we've also got Nicholas Latifi uh, with his DNF, oh. along with Antonio Giovinazzi, his final race, George Russell, his final race with Williams, and Kimi Raikkonen, his final race as well. Yes, we forgot to mention his his engine just, no, his brakes, his brakes went like, what was it, 20 something laps in or something? Um, So unfortunate for him but in a way nice way to end the, his season just it's getting back on race. his yacht <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> he, he was already in his civvies when they interviewed him like like 10 minutes after he come in so there's something good. bracing about a guy just ready to be done like some of yeah. the guys are like clearly have mixed feelings about it man Kimi is resolute that guy ain't looking back he's done a lot yeah. of interviews this week too there's a lot of Kimmy content on that YouTube channel do you do you kind of feel like it's more of an act now than it is genuine like that he it's not that he doesn't like talking anymore that he might actually secretly enjoy doing it but he enjoys playing the character of Kimmy Raikkonen maybe maybe he's maybe he does a little bit more but I do think it is I do think it is genuine that the general you know there's a there's an animation on the YouTube the F1 YouTube channel which is ba- is definitely him reading off a script <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh but yeah anyway farewell kimmy thank you for the memories and for coming back and giving us even more of them yes um so after the race mercedes lodges two protests i'm gonna get the first one out of the way quickly when we were behind the safety car or when the safety car went in and hamilton was handed control of the race he gets to decide when to start verstappen was like revving up next to him like oh trying God. to he's so aggressive just like trying awesome. to get in his head psych him out <laughs> and for like a moment verstappen's car is ahead of hamilton's yeah uh which is not allowed you're not allowed to pass anyone when you're still Risky. technically uh the race has not yet started um and so mercedes is like well look at that huh see 
and I think the sewers just kind of passed on that one. They uh, they rejected it straight away. They also rejected their uh, protest of the way that the um, the last few laps went down, safety car wise, and lapped back markers and all that stuff. Um, Rob, do you have a handle on this? I do. Um, for probably the best explanation of it, you should check out Chain Bear's video on it because chain bear goes into the <laughs> why am i not surprised <laughs> uh like letter of these rules but basically it's like there's article 4812 and 4813 that and 15.3 yes which we'll we'll get to in a moment because this is yeah. where like it just turns into calvin ball um <laughs> so the argument mercedes me uh uses and i think they're like i'm gonna make an editorial statement here i think they're on extremely sound footing with this 4812 dictates how lapped cars are supposed to unlap themselves. There's a clear procedure laid out. Danny alluded to it. We see it every time in F1. And now you can say the, the reason for this is you move the traffic out of the way. You have less likelihood of incidents, less like less mixed messages and confusion on the track. You're putting the, the field back in order. But it dictates that when the race director feels it is safe... Um, in the rule, in the rules, they call him uh, the clerk of the course. F one, the position is the race director. Are those the same person? I think yes. they're two different people. Are they? Are, uh, oh. I, like I think, I think for our purposes, they are one and the same. Hmm. Okay. Um. But once, like, once it's been deemed safe to let the the lapped cars go ahead, uh, then yes, as Danny alluded to, they get the signal to go ahead, and the safety car comes in the lap following to give them time to catch up. Article 4813 dictates that this, the race director gets to say, send the message. Uh, and there are specific messages you're supposed to send. Like It's, it's like formula that you mm-hmm. use. 4813 is that when it is safe to do so, the race director notifies uh, the entire field safety car in this lap and racing will resume at the start of the next lap. Like again, in practice racing tends to resume maybe a little bit before the technical start of the next lap, because once the safety car pulls away, the pace is now set by the leading car. We know this Mercedes argument is that there is nothing in the rules that allows for what Massey did specifically, which is letting only five cars through. And furthermore, if you're allowing cars through, if you're allowing lapped cars to overtake, you have to uh, delay by one lap the restart. Massey's response, uh, well, this is Massey's response, and the stewards basically kind of agree with this. Um, Massey was like, well, actually, I wasn't using 4812. I was using 4813, which gives me control of it, like discretion over the safety car. Uh, 4812 was just used to, and I, I think basically he says, to move those cars out of the way. Uh, but really, I was using my authority under 4813. Furthermore, uh, yes, section 15, article 3 says the race director controls the safety car itself. And so I can do that. The stewards, in my view, don't actually issue much of a defense. They do dismiss the protest, but they don't dismiss the... They, they deem the protest as admissible, but then dismiss it. And they don't actually say what Massey did was right. What they said, and I think this is interesting, at the very end, they're like, what Mercedes is asking us to do 
is say the race lap the race ended a lap early. We don't think that's appropriate. We are not going to do it. Mm. So protest dismissed. But they do acknowledge there is nothing in 4812 for what Massey did. Um, and I think like Chainbear makes the argument, and I, and I agree. There is what Massey's trying to do by saying that 4813 has some sort of superseding power over 4812 seems pretty fatuous. Because when you see a procedure laid out there, one after the other, it's not really like one has priority. It's these are two procedures that if you're going to do a thing, you follow this procedure. When you do another thing, you follow this procedure. 4812 is how do we handle lapped cars? Here's the procedure. 4813 is how do we restart a race? Here's the procedure. Massey's like, well, really, I can just, you know, I restarted the race. Job done. 4812 doesn't really come into it. When we're all watching it, it's like, but it clearly did. You just mm. ignored the procedure that's laid out there. Could I do a um, uh, a devil's advocate for Massey here? Yeah. Or a, a try to get inside his head just of a course. little bit. Yeah. Um, so they, he, uh, that um, message from the FIA in their uh, um, ruling on Mercedes protests says... Um, that the teams had agreed they wanted green flag running at the end if they could help it. Um, and so I think what Massey was trying to do was, all right, we've got these lapped cars. Uh, we've got to get them out of the way. So let them go. They are on their way around. Uh, I, under Article 15.3, I'm allowed to use the safety car however I want. So I can uh, tell it to come in on this lap. Why would I do that? Or why is that? How about why is that safe? That is safe in the eyes of Michael Massey because we allow, and I haven't heard anyone say this, so I'm just spitballing here. That rule for the safety car has to do another lap to let the back markers catch up is there so that the front runners don't catch the back markers again, right? We only have one lap left, so there's no chance that the front runners are going to catch those back markers. So in his eyes, I would imagine it doesn't really matter if we, or it, we don't need that extra lap here. So let's pull the safety car in right now to satisfy the thing that every team agreed on. Yes, we want green flag running at the end. Yeah, I, 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 I think I can see, like, truth in both of what you guys said. Like, I, I definitely think that is part of it. I was trying to, in the moment, in the, after the race right away, I was thinking, okay, well, that was very not normal. There must have been a reason to do it. What was the reason to do it? People with the tinfoil hats will say, and I just I kind of want to dismiss whole cloth People who are saying that the Massey or FIA or the stewards are in the pocket of one team or the other. I, If there's one thing I want to leave this year, it's the idea that either team got any sort of preferential treatment for the year. That's nonsense. We have seen races and decisions which one side or the other side were complaining about all year. We saw races and incidents in this race which people were complaining. Uh, Verstappen was on the blower right after that first lap incident saying, why am I not surprised? You know, the world yep. is against me. The world is against me. Ultimately, he was handed the race victory of this race by those same people. So all of that stuff, 
just I'm, I'm dismissing it whole cloth that is emotional reactionary stuff that is oversimplifying the whole thing that said i was trying to ex- figure out what what would be the motivation to do this why release those five well i can see i'm releasing those five maybe because they're kind of racing each other still and verstappen isn't going to care about them he's going to try and get past them but in blue flag conditions it's going to be this weird melee of drivers trying to overtake each other take advantage of it i can see that being you could argue it being a safety yeah exactly so like i was trying to give him like the benefit of the doubt of being like okay i can see that the the issue like when we can't get away from it is that ultimately this decision like rob said was was a kingmaker there was there was a, you had to like he was on fresh rubber he was right behind him he had nothing to lose in terms of entering the turns i like if Verstappen didn't make this happen on the last lap then he's not the driver we think he is right there was no one watching that race who thought max wasn't going to win the race once they restarted and and it's and also it's just not a normal way to restart a race. No, and that's and that's the thing. If they're pr- like, I think people were gonna like Massey was gonna have people mad at him regardless. I get it, but you're in a stronger <laughs> position if there's precedent you can point to. I think like again, like toward the end of Chain Bear's video, he was like, I think if we're all honest with ourselves, if this has just been any other race, that race ends under safety car. We've 100%. seen it happen before. Massey has this horror of doing it. And this is this is where I think you can draw the line between thinking you're not you're not taking a side in this and then accidentally determining like who's the cha- who's going to be champion. I think this is like where the brain worms of like fairness and let them race get you. <laughs> totally. Because you're like, okay, well shit, if I if I don't get this thing back under green flag conditions, which we all said was a priority, then I'm letting Hamilton win. But if it ends under race conditions, then it ends under race conditions and it's a fair race. And I didn't like choose, I didn't pick a winner. Yeah. Therefore, if I just find a way to get these guys on track together in a shootout, it's clean. Because and he's not thinking who's going to win the race, right? They, like, he's thinking or, get back to racing. Or, yeah. Or yeah. his motivations in his job is not will the winner be fair, right? Because it couldn't be. Because then, like, right. what is the job of a race director? To be, like, God? To, like, <laughs> to be, like, casting morality judgment on the race? Like, that's right. not the motivating but it, Yeah, but factor. it loops all the way back around totally, where you're, yes. like, on this train of thought <laughs> and you're like, oh, wait, I just picked who would be the champion <laughs> of this yeah. race, uh, of this, of, uh, like, who would win this race and who would be the champion. Uh, and to get there... He discard, he used rules selectively and did something that none of us have ever seen before. Yeah. Um, and I think this is like, if you look at post-race reaction from other drivers, Russell was, I think, did he go straight to his Twitter account? Like, I, feel I know, like they so were fast. Popping champagne in Red Bull's uh, pit. And George is like, look, Max is a great driver, a worthy champion, but we have to talk about what we just saw. Uh, because that Mercedes was driver George Russell? <laughs> <laughs> That's see. This is the other thing. Talk about like maybe the real, the the true heir to Hamilton. Always find the moment to say the right thing, but in the way that will also like service him, like leave him in the best light. Uh, but Norris in the post post race was like, oh, that was set up for TV. That was entirely uh, like basically saying if this were wrestling, you'd be like that. That was an angle, right? Uh, and a lot that seems to be a lot of consensus. If you hear the radio messages, signs is like, so wait. 
why aren't my back markers being cleared out of the way? And they're like, well, they're only doing between the, the front two. And signs is, says, it seems like it would be really unfair to restart this race. Uh, yeah, he was really confused. I, I watched his onboard and he was yeah, straight on the radio being like, why aren't they? What's going on? Why am I not allowed to overtake here? It was everyone was confused in the moment and, and afterwards. Yeah. Um, but as we said, Mercedes filed two protests. They were both thrown out, but Mercedes has a, um, applied for, or they've, uh, notified of an intent to appeal specifically the protest about the end of the race. Right. Um, so, uh, I don't yet know if they will actually go ahead with that appeal. I expect they will, but the rules are so vague that I doubt anything will change. So what do you think about this argument that Mercedes just needs to stop, drop all this for the good of the sport? Cause this is what I was seeing day of where it's like Mercedes needs to accept the result. Uh, they, like they, they shouldn't make this any worse than it is. You can't keep fighting this or try to overturn the championship. I, I don't want them to overturn the championship, uh, but I uh, what I do hope comes of this is that that things change because like it's it's only once rules are tested that we see if they work, and in such a close contest, this is the only time that we're going to see the pushing of those boundaries to such a degree. So I, I think there absolutely should have been more foresight in these rules, but again, this is this is now the opportunity to change them. So. Uh, I, I'm going to go here to uh, who I think has has this the rule change right here. What should it change? Should the change be? Uh, IndyCar driver James James Hinchcliffe quote: They should have thrown a red. Let them change tires (parentheses), which is still a bad rule, and given everyone a five lap shootout to the end. They should look at IndyCar's rule of dropping lapped cars to the back within a certain number of laps from the end. I I. I I think I don't agree with that, given the current this the certain this the, the the shape of things as they are now, because we know that that first of all the the crash is not a red flag incident, right? So if you're if you're throwing a red flag, that is the race director morally getting involved. That is them again doing a a better if it was version. In the rule book, it'd be the rules. Well, that's true, but but it it creates again this sort of like subjective scenario where the dry where they have to think ahead with the import of this one race oh we want like i guess if it's applying to every race my personal feeling is that perhaps a a more a less hands-on approach would be to do a plus one lap like they do in a nascar like we don't end the race under caution so what we're going to do is whenever that happens whenever the safety car comes in regardless we're going to have a shootout yeah, it, but then it, they've it got the tire and fuel load rules too. That yeah, exactly. Have to be modified, et cetera. It, it, exactly. And also, there's a tire wear safety issue with F1 that doesn't necessarily match with NASCAR. But I, I'm the red the red flag. I can see it. Put it this way: I can see it being fair if it's in the rule book and we know about it ahead of time. But the idea that people are saying this race should have been red flagged for that, we would have been complaining about Massey the exact same amount if he had done that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Unless yeah, you codify yeah. it and say like, yeah, right. a, yeah, a full course caution in the last like seven ten percent of a race, we just go right. straight to a red flag. Right. And no tire, like maybe maybe do no tire changes too, because like then you're modifying too much of the race state. Orange uh, flag. Yeah, but like, <laughs> so my view is if I'm like, I think the sport's already been damaged. 
but also the sport's kind of like being peak F1 right now. That's the other yeah. thing. I, need, I really need yeah. to. I, this is the thing. The this, thing I can't get with shit, people. Rob. The thing I can't get with people on is like, this is not F1. This is not the sport. And I'm like, motherfucker, here's the other thing. I want, like, I've never seen that restart procedure before, but this is F1. Like, did you not, did you miss the part of Rush where like, Tons of points were vacated because of a small rule infraction in like, like the McLaren, and it turns into a whole court battle. Like this is what this sport is. It's an engineering contest. It is got really like it's very political. So I'm not like offended this happened. I'm frustrated that like Massey dropped the ball this badly. If I'm Merck, I would probably continue to fight it because one, I would come away with the suspicion that working the refs works that yep. like Massey was so gun shy uh, of the accusation that he was like that race controls just tended to come down too hard on max uh, that he overcompensated and set up a fair contest that was deeply unfair. That would be one motivation for going after it too. I think FIA deserved to get their asses dragged. Um, yeah. And if like, if they put themselves in legal jeopardy with this, that's very funny. Uh, and I'd be curious to see how that plays out. Um, but like in terms of good of the sport, like legal cases, I don't know. It will be if the ending was staged for drama, the to some to some extent, that's the cynical view. Um lingering recriminations and consequences from the FAA kind of having invented a new understanding of the rules and new procedure to tip a championship. That's the type of shit that does end up in a court. Like I think I don't think Mercedes pressing this harder is necessarily a bad thing. Um, I'm not here being like the championship was stolen. No, the I FIA, yeah. the FIA botched Michael Massey botched the crucial moment of the last race. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I, yeah. I just, yes, I think this is the sport that F1 has made for themselves. Um, and I think that should change because if it's just show and not a sport, then it doesn't mean anything and thus is not a good show. And so I think it's in their best interest to get this right. And we will have a new FIA president next year because Jean Todd is retiring. So right. fingers crossed. I, I think I've, I've I think there is what happened in this race is the tip of a spear that we have been remarking on for this entire season and ultimately stretches back a couple of years. I think the rule set as it is now and the way in which race direction and stewarding has been established has largely been in an era of F1 where we have not had much fighting in the front. Mm-hmm. When they're racing in the middle, it's it's a different flavor. As we we're saying, like the way in which they're, you know, it's 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 less the margins are maybe not as tight as they are. And when you have two championship rivals fighting with each other, it's why we were like invoking the ghost of Jean-Marie Vallès last week. It's because when these things get down to the wire like this, you have incidents like Schumacher and Villeneuve. You have incidents like like uh, like um, 
uh, Senna and Prost, right? These moments happen and we have to adjudicate them. And I think what you saw this year was a sport that had rather like Mercedes have been conservative for a number of years, wasn't really in a position to try and adjudicate this properly. And they had to this year and they sort of were fumbling the ball. And we've been talking about it every race. And Rob has had this like great narrative through this season about them trying not to get involved and get involved. And they just they never really had a handle on it. And in a way, this was like the perfect end to the season because it, it's it's been the story, the meta story of their battle throughout has been these types of incidents. It was Silverstone. It was like, you know, there's many, many... Since then, we've had loads of these. Um, I do also want to reject the idea that the championship was handed to Max Verstappen. If Again, this was the longest championship we've ever had. It was 22 races. There was plenty of times where luck went one way and luck went the other way and incidents went this way and that way uh, where Hamilton made a mistake where Verstappen made a mistake and you know it's one of those things that it's so tough to talk about because like to your point you can't like it can't be handed because we had we had like 20 plus races that brought us to this moment of like close fighting and yet at the last moment the outcome was handed like it's not that Max wanted it that way. It's just how the last the last bounce is Massey fumblingly ends up like tipping <laughs> the scales. Because he had like if there'd been no full course caution, he loses that race almost certainly. Like I, like maybe Hamilton hits like a wild top performance cliff, but probably like Yeah, or crashes. Yeah, but probably he's going to lose that race. If the back markers are allowed to stay in place, Probably he loses that race. Um, the only way he gets it there at the end is like through Massey sort of arranging this really weird contest. Doesn't mean he doesn't deserve the championship, but the thing is, because Massey did that, that championship now does, I think, have a little asterisk next to it. A lot of champions do have asterisks next to them, right? Like, I mean, again... <laughs> Part of his legend, Senna took a guy out at the last tra- at the last race because that was the <laughs> yeah. better play. Like we're like, uh, you know, to a degree, once you have the championship, no one cares how you get it. But unfortunately, there are some championships that do have these stories associated with them. Yeah, Max's is now one. Yes, yep. he wins the twenty twenty one Formula One Drivers Championship with three hundred ninety five and a half points. To Lewis Hamilton's 387 and a half. Valtteri Bottas comes home in third place with 226 points. Sergio Perez in fourth with 190. Fifth place, Danny. Mayama Carlos signs with 164.5 to Lando Norris. 160. Charles Leclerc, 159. Boy, that was close. So close. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo is in eighth with 115. Pierre Gasly, 110 in ninth place. And Fernando Alonso in 10th with 81. Behind him, his teammate Esteban Ocon with 74. Sebastian Vettel with 43. Lance Stroll with 34. Yuki Tsunoda with 32. George Russell in 15th with 16 points. Kimi Raikkonen ends his final season in 16th place with 10 points. Nicholas Latifi with 7. Antonio Giovinazzi uh grazie tutti three points mick schumacher robert kubitsa and nikita mazepin with zero that's right constructor standings from the bottom gene haas and team with zero alfa romeo with 13 
Williams in eighth with uh, 23. Aston Martin in seventh with 77. Alpha Tauri in sixth with 142. Alpine so with 155. El Plan. El Plan <laughs> to get fifth place was enacted. McLaren uh, ends the season in fourth place with 275 to Ferrari's 323.5. Yeah, made it easy place. looking in the end. Second is Red Bull with 585 and a half to Mercedes 613.5. Everyone and gets again, a championship. There were videos of Toto Wolf uh, singing We Are the Champion drunk as well. So everyone got to do that. There was a video of Verstappen doing it and a video of Toto doing it. So Fantastic. Everyone, everyone's a winner. Except, you know. Um, except, except Hamilton and Bottas. And now uh, for the standings in our fantasy league. Wow. Stay tuned for next year's fantasy league because now would be a weird time to join. Uh, from the Abu Dhabi race, uh, first from the United States, third place, Cogni Pants. Hmm. Uh, I get it. And I then get it. number uh, number two and number one have a, a similar theme here from America. Mazepin has no morals. Has no car to drive that no. weekend because he has uh, to rest up. And then uh, in number one in Abu Dhabi from Ireland, Mazapain. Nice. Is a P A Y N E P A N. Careful, take two will be all over you. Man, did his right. COVID bout seem like a cherry on top of the cursed <laughs> year he had? Hey like, man, can't come last. <laughs> can't come last if you don't turn up. <laughs> uh, all right. Overall, though. <laughs> Um, should I give uh, more than just the the? T- I'll give the I'll yeah, give the top ten, ten here. Ten, yeah, let's do it. Thanks to everyone from, for joining in this year. Awesome work. Yes, thank you, everyone. Uh, from the Atlan Islands, in tenth place, Plains Weekly. Nice. Uh, then in ninth place from Canada, Vamos Checo. Also from Canada, I think this is the same person, Cheeky Landos in eighth place. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> Uh, from the Philippines in seventh place, we have Speedy Racing Team One. From uh, the UK, number six, we have Splash and Dash. Uh, from the United States in fifth place, we have Scooteria. S C O O T. Wordplay. That's right. Uh, in fourth place, we have from Canada, Ben Van. Thank you for the season. Great fun. Hmm. And the podium. In third place from the Americas, the United States, that is, uh, Super Lando. In second place, we have from America, it's turbo time. And finally, the overall winner of this season's official Shift F1 Fantasy League from Canada, I love Betty. Wow. Shouts out I love to Betty. Betty. Yeah. I don't remember here. Was that a name change or? Could be. Yeah. It's hard That's to tell. Ken. Uh, awesome. All right. Congrats, everyone. Nice work. Congrats. Yes. Uh, just a, a quick, a few quick things in the news here. I had mentioned, uh, speaking of casting our eyes to next season, that uh, the sprint race in Bahrain was going to be on the outer oval. Oh, yeah. Because in the list I saw, it said Sakhir, but that's just the name of the circuit. I got confused. Uh, so right. there so is no, no guarantee. However... 
<gasps> this from Autosport, Bahrain could hold 2022 <laughs> F1 sprint race on the outer loop layout. You're just an oracle. That's all. I guess so. <laughs> but that's kind of... I. I kind of like that idea. You have the sprint race on the different track. Yeah, they should totally do that. Like, I'm not sure how... Does it take a long time for them to set up the other... uh, To swap configurations? I have no idea. I don't know. Um, But yeah, they should do that. That's a fun... It'd be better for sprint as well. You know, this... Yeah. Yeah. It's a sprint, a proper sprint. Nice and fast. Let's do it. Yes, indeed. Um, And I'm just going to cherry pick a couple here from uh, this other list of news we've got. Uh, There is, so there, we've got the the young drivers doing their uh, race tests in Abu Dhabi uh, directly after the season. Um, So the young Valtteri Bottas, I think, is is stepping in the Alfa Romeo just to get his his feet wet there. Um, uh, Jack Aitken, I almost said Clay Aitken, Jack Aitken (laughs) uh, was racing in practice for Williams. Yeah. Uh, but in the young driver test, one Logan Sargent, an American, Murphy. is in the car for Williams. So keep an eye on Logan Sargent. He will be racing, I believe, in Formula 2 next year with, is it Carlin? Yes. Yes. Can't spell so, Carlin without car. It's very true, Danny. Mm. Uh, we are going to have 10 more years of Abu Dhabi as the final race of the season. I was going to ask about Nottisborn. that. Born. Mm. how do we feel like how do we feel about that in light of the changes do we feel the changes like i like my reaction is it is a better circuit yeah. i don't know that it's a great good circuit <laughs> there was apart a, a from the first lap and then a slight little bit of tire drama but not really really aside from the last safety car debacle it was a bit of a snore you know it it was the. I agree. It was a. It was, it's a better circuit for that. It opens up more overtaking opportunities through those two and sort of extends the battle a bit. But yeah, it's still not what well, not great, especially coming off some of those other ones. You know what I mean? Like Jeddah was was crazy, and Interlagos is always just brilliant. Like I I missed the finish in Brazil, but I kind of yeah. I guess I the the doing. thing you can cross your fingers is that hopefully the new specs liven everything up because like yeah. ultimately. What's killing racing in a lot of places is the way the field strings out, and that is being mm. driven by like the wash. Maybe, yeah, maybe hopefully. Abu Dhabi will like miraculously be cool with new cars. It well, it yeah. just shows you like where those who those back markers were. You know what I mean? Signs was third. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like it shows you how extended they get at that track. It's it's not it's not wonderful for that. Uh, and the last one I wanted to point out here. Um, we haven't talked about Mission Winnow in a while, but there is reason to. Again, the, well, the check uh, stop coming. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, the official, um, I guess, entries for 2022 have been made to the FIA. Uh, well, number one, um, Guan Yu Zhou is going to use number 24 on his car. Apparently, mm. the last driver to use that was uh, Timo Glock. In 2012, oh, wow. speaking, speaking of contentious of, championships. <laughs> speaking of championships that were handed to people in the last lap, yeah. <laughs> Happens to the uh, best of them. But uh, the entry list is from auto, uh, from race fans. Uh, also indicates change of official name for Ferrari, who were Scuderia Ferrari Mission Winnow, is now referred to simply as Scuderia Ferrari. Mission Winnow, if you are unfamiliar, is Philip Morris. <laughs> they, uh, You are not allowed to run cigarette manufacturers uh, brands on your cars per the rules. And so Mission Winnow 
is just a fake brand that Phyllis, Philip Morris made up and uh, put on their Ferrari. Yeah. So a uh, Ferrari team principal, Matteo Bonato said last month, it was quote, very likely that PMI Philip Morris international will remain, but maybe not as a title sponsor beyond the end of this year, 2021. As so. long as he gets his, his crate of Siggy's every month, he's happy. I guess what are they just going to give them money and <laughs> the, the most no expensive logos anywhere in the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a, it's really annoying because none of them are allowed to smoke around the cars. So they, you know, the, 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 maybe it's the Philip Morris sponsored smoking area at the back of the, the paddock. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, all right. That's it for news. Unless anybody else has anything else. No. Um, what do you want to do with it? Cause we have a bunch of really good emails, but also I know we're recording that video where we're going to do a Q and a, so we could keep it for that and have it as a post post season cherry on top. Yeah. I, I, I like that idea. Um, should we should we have a little chat then about how we felt about the season? Yeah, just kind of wrap it up because I hate, I hate, I hate just ending on on that note because it is it was twenty two races and it was like the most exciting season we've had in forever, especially after last year where they sort of like patched together a season and it was interesting and we would have taken anything and it was pretty good. Uh, this year was was really good. I really hope. And we had some emails about it, so we'll, we'll cover it. Go follow us on YouTube, follow us on Twitter if you want to watch a bit more of the sort of talking about some of that sort of stuff. We're Shift F1 on on YouTube and, and uh, Shift F1 podcast on Twitter. We'll we'll update the video there. Um, I I got a couple of emails from people who had like come in maybe recently, or maybe they've been with F1 a long time, and you know, kind of gassing out a little bit. And I I I just really hope that the last lap. The last race didn't leave that much of a sour taste in people's mouths. You know what I mean? I'm sure if you're a Verstappen fan, or sorry, or rather a Hamilton fan, I can totally see that being the case. I, I empathize. Um, maybe as a Verstappen fan, you also didn't want it to go down that way. I don't know. Uh, but I, I hope that's the case because it was a really fun season to talk about. We often, we've done this podcast for a long time, right? The three of us have done it for a long time now as well. And there are seasons where by the end we're kind of happy to have our have our mornings back you know what i mean <laughs> to, to not have our weekends back and all this but i never felt that this year it was just it was terrific right until the end right until the last five laps and i don't want those last five laps to to ruin it for me yeah i'm um i'm in the same boat i i think i will have a, a nice winter's nap uh <laughs> In in a, in a break for F one, but I think after after a couple of weeks, I'm going to be itching for more. Um, yeah, I think I think if this was your first season, it was probably a real roller coaster ride. Um, and I think the only thing that I can say is that I I hope that things like that don't continue to happen. You know, um, the the ambiguous calls, the the you know the lack of clarity, transparency. Um, so yeah, I, I would say, uh, I'm looking forward to, to next year. Um, but yeah, looking back on the whole season, I think it was, it's certainly the best I've ever seen. Um, and I really enjoyed it despite all of those blemishes. Yeah. Like it was a blast and even 
when it's at its most frustrating, like it was still sort of quintessentially F1, right? Like all of this is familiar stuff. Uh, Stewart's being inconsistent. Uh, there being a contingent of old school racing people who don't think there should be any rules at all. Uh, like the back and forth of the championship. You know, I was worried that with a long season, eventually someone would just get a hold of this thing and just pull yeah. away. Mm-hmm. And it would be a yeah. long anticlimax. The like back and forth in the battle between Hamilton and Verstappen was uh, really unprecedented in a lot of ways. Uh, I did not think Mercedes would, would battle back the way they did at the end, at the end of the year. Um, I didn't think, uh, you know, having squandered some of their early advantage uh, that like that Red Bull ended up having such a good uh, like middle act of, of the season. Um, It was a phenomenal season. I think there's an incredible amount of talent up and down the grid. I think a lot of teams that have been sort of in a slumber of their own through the turbo hybrid period uh, are showing signs of emerging from it in a way that has me really excited about the future. And to a degree, like I know, like I know that the, the ending of this is not going to sour it for me. And, and to a degree, I'm kind of like thrilled that the, uh, you know, gun on the wall uh, of F1 has finally gone off because like that position and the inconsistent race calls have been an ongoing issue. And yeah. it's always kind of come out in the wash. This time yeah. it can't. And mm-hmm. so I'm curious to see, like, can F1 sort of have its come to Jesus moment when it comes to driving standards and race direction? Because I think we're here now. I think the, the one thing that would really that would really kind of bum me out heading into next season is if they sort of adopt a, well, this will all blow over approach, right? Because then it really mm-hmm. is just a matter of hoping that that weird improbable confluence of events doesn't repeat and you can kind of keep uh you know putting off that that reckoning with like what are the rules of the sport with with all the work that has been put into 2022 like none all of that is now overshadowed by what happened in that race but as rob said that just that what happened all what's happened all season i would be considering how fast they have been uh liberty has been to get ahead of this type of stuff to make sure that next year is a big deal i would be shocked if we don't yeah i'd be shocked and disappointed if we don't have some some real like i think kind of i think massey kind of has to go i think the trust I'm that sure, has been yeah. lost there i think the uh you know, for for as much as I, I don't necessarily think that he was did a bad job all season or anything. I think he tried his best, and there, there were some like lose lose scenarios. I think that was the wrong call, and ultimately, I think just the relationships there are are broken. Like I don't think you can be in that spot, and I think kind of also in that situation, a head needs to roll maybe, and maybe it's him. So I think I wouldn't be surprised if he's pushed to one side. But in any case, I think they need to make some sort of move move that makes both the teams and fans more confident in the rules of the sport i think massey's probably got to go because you can't fail on a stage like that and not have not not face consequences the thing i'll say is i actually think in general massey's gotten himself into trouble by and autosport had a piece sort of uh like alluding to this as well 
Massey's a guy who likes to take cases case by case and not establish like broad sweeping principles. Um, I just don't think the stewards have effectively backed him up. I think like the inconsistency that exists in F1 has been exaggerated by Massey can't issue penalties by himself. And if the stewards won't go along with what our definitions of fair driving standards are, his hands are tied. I think a lot of the criticism there, he's the face of a lot of bad things, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. him doing it. Um, And the last thing I'll say is, I think there's a lot of rose-tinted glasses about the Charlie Whiting era. Uh, You know, Drew, you were a fan (laughs) for a number of years while Charlie was doing it. But, like, Danny, you and I are also, like, OG racing fans. Like, it's not like there wasn't a lot of weirdness around Charlie Whiting's tenure. It's just that everyone was okay with it being – with the weirdness because it was Charlie. Yeah, and also like I there is definitely a different tenor to this yes. because we heard the the radio stuff. If you want if you want like to to be reminded of what it was like back then as well, there is a bunch of Charlie Whiting uh, pre-race um like remember they actually put these on YouTube for a while. Like not mm-hmm. very long. I think there's only four or five of them, but there are pre-race meetings with the drivers where they have the back and forth with Charlie. And yeah, it wasn't like, you know, he was you know, it was not scientific they no. were just like making deals basically yeah no no judgment on, on on charlie or his legacy or anything but yeah like for sure it it was like you know a lot more loosey-goosey than you would imagine it wasn't locked down by any means I, in many ways i think it is more locked down now but it's just it's yeah. a lot messier yeah man well uh if you would like to send us an email you can do so at shift f1 podcast at gmail.com as danny mentioned we will have a uh a video a q a going up uh for patrons is it just for patrons i that's why i was making this weird face yeah i, I think know. i think i think we could put it up for everyone how about that okay we'll do we'll do patron credits on it or something we'll do shed at the circuit team for sending us the wine um mm-hmm. let's do it for everyone okay uh, yeah and, send us uh, yeah Send us your emails about, you know, this or the race as a whole or whatever you want. You can also hit us up on Twitter at Shift of One Podcast. I'm at Drew Scanlon. That is at Danny Edwire. And that's at Rob Zachney. That's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world one last time, Danny? <laughs> Let's race around the world one last time this year. Yeah. And indeed, we have one racing series still going. <laughs> it's Extreme E. Oh, They're yeah. racing not on North Pole, a, uh, the North Pole, not on you know in a jungle, no desert, uh, no, nope. Swamp? We are racing in Dorset, United Kingdom. Wow, for Most the extreme place. You guessed it, Jurassic X Prix. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I was waiting for this one. Are they what are they doing? Okay. I need Driving somebody to explain Stonehenge. Me. Every biome that Extremely races in is jeopardized. Yeah. yeah. What is Dorset jeopardized? The Jurassic era is in jeopardy. <laughs> it's in time jeopardy. We need to figure out a way to stop that meteor. It's a me- yeah, it's a meteor. That's exactly it. <laughs> like, it. Like, seriously, I do know that like all biomes are threatened, and maybe there's a way to show that like climate change is closer to home than you think, but at the same time, it's very funny, given some of the venues, to be like, and now Dorset. I think they figured out a way of getting a race in England <laughs> by any yep. means necessary. I don't know. Also, apologies to any, like, you know, paleontologists. I'm not sure if when the meteor landed, and maybe it wasn't during the Jurassic period. I'm not sure. Could have been the Triassic. Could have been the Cretaceous. I've no idea. Yeah. Who yeah. knows? The, the, I'm out of ears that I know. Yeah, me too. <laughs>
<laughs> well, that is an era uh, at a close for us. Uh, yeah, thank you, everyone. Era, right? Yeah. Bye bye. Well, next year. no. Well, we no, have the same the, I guess it's the, I guess it's the oh, era yeah. regulations around. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So the regulation era ended with one yep. lap left. I think <laughs> early. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank yeah. you, Danny and Rob. Um, Our pleasure. Thank and, you for uh, editing this thing every single week. My pleasure. Yeah. Thanks um, to all of our patrons. Thanks everyone for hanging out. Yeah. This is, right. this is a lot of fun. We, we've done this during boring seasons. We will continue to <laughs> if next year's a snore fest. But it's true. Yeah. Uh, so happy to have I'm you. I'm really excited to see those those new cars. Um, we will have a probably a, an off season update episode, um, and then it'll be time for preseason testing before you know it. So. Yeah. Uh, we'll also have uh, patron exclusive episodes um, continuing in the off season every month. Um, so be on the lookout for those. If you would like to support this show and get access to all of those bonus episodes and the official F- Shift F1 Discord. In- including all the ones that we did all year. So if you missed the podcast, this is the perfect time to become a patron because you'll get like four years worth of sure. pre-season, whenever we started this thing, uh, uh, if you're yeah, looking, a bonus looking podcast. For stuff to listen to in the in the off season we got a whole back catalog for yeah. you uh, so you can find that over at patreon.com slash shift f1 have a good race weekend everyone we will see you all next year Meow.